This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another week of O Ship. So it's been a great 2022 or already, but we're going to tap into some even better guests this year. And one of those guests is a friend of mine and someone I've also had a chance to work with who has had some incredible, uh, notable roles in her career. I met her when she was the CMO at Perry Ellis. Uh, she has been the CMO of Celebrity Cruise Lines. She was the SVP of marketing at Macy's at one point. And she's now most recently the CMO at Starboard Cruise Services, which is part of LVMH. Uh, what I think is so interesting about that role is actually it brings together her retail experience and her cruise experience into one role because Starboard is effectively a, a retailer that operates in cruise ships. But what I think is far more interesting about Lisa is her style of leadership. I got to experience and, and see it firsthand uh, while she was at Perielis. And uh, I think she brings a, a very uh, charismatic, but also pragmatic approach to leadership. And so today, we decided that we would have uh, maybe a, a healthy debate or certainly a healthy discussion uh, around you know, the style of leaders of pragmatic versus idealistic leaders. Uh, and we look forward to basically challenging each other on camera with some questions that we prepared in advance, but we haven't warned each other what those questions are. So we're going to see if, I don't know if we hope we don't catch each other off too off guard in this kind of open discussion. But I'm hoping, uh, if nothing else, it creates for some some great uh, great content for all of you watching, and hopefully not too many oh shit moments for us uh, live on the air. And with that, here we go with another week of oh shit. Lisa, welcome to Ship. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, again. I, I appreciate you taking the time. I think this is going to be uh, a really fun episode. One of my favorite episodes of Ship ever was uh, when I had Scott Monty on, who I think is a an, you know kind of equally dynamic and interesting character like you. Uh, we uh, challenged each other, which created a you know I think a great dynamic. I want to again remind people of of the rules of this kind of episode of these kind of you know, uh, 5v5 questions. So Lisa and I met in advance. We agreed on uh, on what the subject we, we wanted to be. We uh, then kind of set set some kind of the terms of, I thought, what would make for a good and interesting conversation. Lisa has then prepared five questions in private. I have prepared uh, five questions in private. We agreed not to tell each other what the questions were in advance because we felt that it would be far more interesting if we it was spontaneous and they had a chance to to you know just see what came right right their instinctual answer. So you know we, we're going to put that out there. We're also going to put the questions into the chat. So if you're watching live, whether you're watching on LinkedIn or Facebook or YouTube or any of the other channels that uh, we broadcast or ship on, you know if you see the questions in there, feel free to chime in directly in the chat. Uh, Lisa and I can see the chat and we, and we might react to that or even uh, call some of you out if we find some things that we think are 
uh, are, are really interesting. I think the only fair thing to do, Lisa, is to let uh, you go first as the guest. Uh, so I look forward to seeing uh, what you've got for me. All right, let's hit it. Then I'm jumping into the core of the matter and the heart of our discussion, uh, which is about the differences of leadership. So from my perspective, I've always seen you as an idealistic and visionary type of leader. Well, I tend to be myself as more of a pragmatist (laughs) leader. So what do you see, Freddie, from your perspective as the key differences between those styles of leadership? I think there's a simple way of answering that and a not so simple way of answering that. When I think about these two types of leaders at the most basic level, uh, I think when you think about a uh, you know an idealistic list leader, a visionary leader, uh, which again I, I think is a compliment. So it's a uh, you know you can think of people maybe that have these you know, giant pie in the sky kind of ideas. I think you think of people that maybe break boundaries and and, and go into new innovative areas. I think that those people can also sometimes be perceived as optimists, um, you know, almost seeing uh, the world through like rose-colored glasses. Uh, sometimes, frankly, I've argued that my innovation or, or kind of big, big dream thinking is I'm just too stupid, frankly, to realize that I might actually fail at any of these things. So that kind of hopeless optimism, uh, you know, maybe is, is served me well and not served me well in some instances as well. When you think about typically about a, a pragmatic leader, uh, I think you're thinking about people that that look at things, at least to how I visualize it, through some level of, of kind of realism and saying, look, uh, you know, the the how we get there, the the fact that we have to succeed is is more important than than maybe uh, you know trying to bend the bounds of of reality every time, but that success is about you know get, get, stating a goal and, and achieving it and getting it there. I'd like to believe. And I know that I, again, I've, I've, I've certainly uh, had a, you know, quite a few companies in my career where I was probably a little too early. And you know, and, uh, I kind of always joked my, my startup guide was uh, the most, most ambitious thing I've ever tried to do, arguably too ambitious because it, it failed. Uh, but um, I'd like to believe that maybe through learning through that, that it has, what's a nice way of saying this? Uh, a, a, a realistic idealist or a, re, a, a, a idealistic realist could be you know, another way of phrasing it. You know, I think now that I try really hard to set big, lofty, ambitious goals, but also break things down into smaller, smaller ch- attainable chunks um, so that you can kind of move towards achieving bigger goals with maybe uh, smaller micro goals in between them. So you don't end up with uh, too much egg on your face, frankly. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you uh, talk about it that way, because I think the the idea of there is definitely a blend, you know, of you got to have the big idea. Uh, is it, being a, pragmatic, a, pragmat, a pragmatic leader should not eliminate the possibility of big, bold, visionary ideas. Mm-hmm. But I think where we're going to end up continuing to discuss it is it's, it's, it's where the brain kind of uh, focuses the attention mm-hmm. and the pragmatic leader, like myself, tends to spend more of my brain time thinking about the how, how, how to get there, how to how to move the idea forward, and maybe just uh, balancing more on that idea, the how. So, w- one of the things I think when you think about these like visionary type leaders is 
this sense that like, you know, you, I, I hate using Steve Jones or someone like that, but it's kind of like the, the arch, like classic archetype of this. Like you get these uh, folks that, you know, when you give people these big vision ideas or these big, you know, inspirational lofty goals, it's really good at inspiring people. Um, because I think, you know, it gives you know, people who about like classic Simon Sinek, like, you know, the, the, the people buy into the why more than, you know, the what or the how of kind of what you do. So my, my second question for you is if accepting that communication is effectively key to any leader, you know, as, as a pragmatic leader yourself, basically what have you learned that has worked the best of, uh, in terms of like inspiring your team or your people or, you know, all the people, whether it's, you know, on your specific team or even maybe the, your peers around you uh, to get on board with these like new ideas and strategies? Maybe because, you know, my ultimate core is, is from in, coming at things from the marketing perspective. But to me, it's about the way that the communication is happening. And it's got to be grounded in transparency and plain speak. Also, I'm sure the, uh, the folks that are watching the show and those of us that have lived our lives in the marketing world, we can, we can see the eye roll when too much jargon is used. You know? <laughs> The, the tech stack and the this and the that, like you can literally see the eye roll when you're trying to have that conversation with your peers in operations or your peers in sales, like they don't like it. They don't get it. They don't need to get it. And so I think that that's hits me in the face, you know, in, in every job I've had, you know, as a marketing person in a functional like operating company to be transparent and speak in plain speak. And I, and not only does it make a huge difference in my success as a as a leader of kind of selling in my ideas and 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 getting the support of my peers and my CEO, but it also is critically important with the team. You know, the folks that are waiting for the direction and that are kind of looking for how the heck are we going to get there. The, it has worked for me. You know, this the 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 way to communicate to to strip it down. You know, whether it's the idea or the work that needs to be done or the you know the how of it all to the most transparent and plain speak as possible. I'm not, I'm not counting this as one of my questions. I want that on record, but I have to know, do you have a couple uh, uh, like jargon, you know, things that just are your ultimate, like, uh, just like a little bit of you dies inside every time you hear them? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. You know, tech stack is definitely up there on the list. Yeah. I, I can't stand yeah. that term. I don't know. Mark no, tech, no, no brainer. Know. It's yeah. like what, and I, I actually said it this morning in a meeting, and I just died and cringed a little bit. I was like, I can't believe I just said my my pet peeve, no brainer, because <laughs> it's always. It was like as soon as you say that, I just feel like it's instant jinx. You're like, no, oh, this is going to be the hardest thing ever. Now, <laughs> you know, I was on a, I was invited to one of these, you know, fabulous like world class marketing consultancy groups to their conference, trying to sell me a subscription, but okay, yeah, yeah. you know, I was I went to the conference. I'm like, sure, I, I look forward to the content. And I was sitting in the session around, you know, simplifying and streamlining marketing operations. Yeah. And, you know, the, the whole presentation not only was filled with like 18 forms and, and 18 frameworks of 50 steps that yeah. was already like, okay, this is, I'm done here. There's no simplification. But every <laughs> terrible term you can imagine was loaded in. And it just, it's, 
I don't think it's effective, you know, yeah, that, that, that kind a of couple, thing. couple years ago, there was some th- great things doing the rounds of the internet. It was like, it was like, uh, it was like meeting like buzzword bingo. I think they called it. It was <laughs> like, you know, you could just like, you, you could like, you just, and it was like, it was like a little flash app or HTML on it, and you could just click them in the app in the, in the, in the, in the screen. And like, as you were like kind of quietly mocking your uh, coworkers. You could stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hopefully no one ever turned that into a drinking game. I think that could have gotten pretty messy uh, pretty quickly. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, let me turn it back then to you. Do you see any inherent major differences on how idealistic leaders approach communication? And that is a fair, that is a good question. Let me deconstruct this a little bit. So I think ultimately there are, are, are three different types of styles of leadership. So you've got the kind of uh, more, you know, top down, you know, is my way or the, the highway uh, kind of driving force of the leader, you know, kind of like autocratic type of system, right? Then you've got uh, some types of leaders I think are very democratic. So they're, hey, you know, I'm going to build consensus. I'm going to talk to, you know, everyone in the group and I'm going to help, you know, build all that together and get all these voices and make sure those voices are part of uh, the way that that leader works. And then I think you've got the third one, which is kind of a much more, you know, laid back, uh, let people kind of stumble on their own, find their own path. Uh, you know, they're there like a player coach. Maybe they get in and they and they kind of guide them a little bit, uh, you know, from time to time. But ultimately, they're, they're very, it's a very, um, you know, pulled back, step back kind of approach to leadership. So when I think about like how you think about a, a, an idealistic leader might approach some of these things, you could argue that like, okay, with a, you know, more of a top down approach, I think you've got these like uber visionaries. Sometimes I think these people maybe have kind of a low social EQ and, and uh, they don't maybe think about anything except for the big vision. And in that situation, they're like pushing it, you know, pushing it down to the folks and you get on board or you basically get the hell out. I, I think, again, I think jobs might be kind of along that way. I don't know what someone like an Elon Musk who probably also followed this may, may fall into something comparable. I think when you've got an idealistic leader that uh, is more of a democratic one, that's probably where I fall into the spectrum. Um, I think that, like for me, uh, I think about the the vision. Then I I I like to share it in small doses with lots of little people, and then get their get their ideas, and then build them back into the main the main thought. And then I feel like that's a way to like harness their passion, and and take them along for the ride because there's a sense of ownership that everyone has in it. I'm trying to imagine how the the idealistic works in kind of like the the laissez-faire kind of approach where it's like, you know, it's like, eh, you could be into my vision or not. We're still doing it. <laughs> I don't know if that one quite works. I don't see well. it happening. I think they'd be. <laughs> but, but um, you know, I do see how, uh, you know, I, I think that's how I kind of imagine those breaking down more from an idealistic you know, standpoint. I think when you've got pragmatic folks, then, you know, I think there's, um, again, it ultimately comes down to to uh, uh, you know people's style, but I can imagine more pragmatic leaders probably fall more into that democratic approach. Well, I don't know. Maybe some people just do it through force of will. Where, where do you think, out of interest, where do you think you fit in on that spectrum? I hope I'm in the democratic. <laughs> nice. I mean, yeah. that's what I'd like to think. If any of my team yeah. is listening, maybe yeah, they'll feel yeah. differently. But I, I hope that's what I'd like to think I am. Yeah, I've had uh, I've had I've had some bosses on the on the on the you know kind of autocratic spectrum. And I actually even had I had a uh, I had the kind of step back boss. Uh, actually, you know my 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 old boss at uh, 
a sapient Gaston Le Gorbrew, who I was was awesome. And I I never forget it one time. It's slightly off subject, but a very kind of you know a, a great moment. So I, you know I'm such an entrepreneur that when I when I joined Sapien, I didn't really know. You know, I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do. I'd never been in a giant company like that before, or it felt giant to me with you know, 10,000, 13,000 employees when I was there. And I remember going to him one day and saying, uh, so am I supposed to like have a meeting with you where I like report back stuff that I'm doing? Because he was so laid back on it. And he said, no, no, no. He's like, I'm watching. He's like, you're doing great. And he goes, if you ever start not to be rude, if you ever start effing it up, you'll hear from me. Otherwise, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm like, right. All right, cool. Thank you. And you know that actually worked really well for me because I kind of bristled a little bit of authority. But um, um, and he was—I consider him to also be a, a visionary style leader for, mm-hmm. for what it's worth. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so I think it's my turn, right? Yes, it is. Okay, let me look at my notes here one second. Let me ask you: What is another leadership trait or of someone like you that considers yourself uh, a pragmatic leader? I think another biggie that is all about the style of leadership, it's not necessarily about the ideation, is the notion of driving for ownership and accountability. You know, it's, I think we have all worked in companies with like amazing ideas and amazing strategies, but for whatever reason, it just like doesn't move forward because there's not a a constant attention to being clear about, okay, where does the ownership lie? what needs to happen, you know, to kind of move the step along. And and for much of my career, I've worked in highly matrixed organizations, mm-hmm. which is fine. It just is that way, you know, the functional areas and kind of the uh, standalone sort of business unit aspects. And it's more important than ever in a matrixed organization because there's just so many people. It's very interdependent. I'm sure everybody's heard of the the racy, you know, concept mm-hmm. of responsible, accountable, consulted and informed. I mean, it's old school, but it is it's extremely powerful and helpful for people mm-hmm. to know what is expected of them and where they fit in in the you know in the movement of getting an idea uh, executed, fully executed. Mm-hmm. So I would say ownership and accountability. And even it's it's a bummer when you can watch great ideas not coming to fruition because it's not been clear who owns it, who is accountable. You know, yeah, uh, old school or not, like I, I'm actually a huge fan of this world. Like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And uh, and sometimes some systems just work really well. And I, I'm, I'm sometimes astounded by uh, the lack of clarity you see in some organizations around this. You know, where you know I won't say the specific company, but I, I there's one business I, I uh, had a leadership role at, and everyone used to show up to every meeting, and it was always like it was like. Like, why are there 16 people here? And it was like, because no one knew what anyone actually did. So everyone was so afraid that they would be missing out on it, that everyone would just show up to everything. So it's like, uh, you know. Uh, yeah. uh, and I can yeah, imagine that. Meeting. Yeah. And I can imagine that when they left the meeting, nothing really got done because it really wasn't entirely clear who was supposed to do that well, next. No thing. one had any time to do any work because everyone was always in the meeting. And and uh, and we actually did this big racy exercise, and it was like everyone in the company you could just see their shoulders just go, <laughs> "Oh God, I actually understand what my job is now." And uh, I've been, and, and and you'd also have people being like, "I feel like I've been doing like four people's jobs for about two years," and be like, "You were <laughs> because you didn't actually understand what your job was." So uh, well, yeah, and unfortunately, was, that may still that may still continue. We you know we yeah, may yeah, have exactly uh, right. people that are going to do multiple jobs in multiple roles, but at least they're clear <laughs> about it. <laughs> So anyway, I'm I'm a fan. I think that's I think that's great great advice uh, and great insight. So All right, well then I'm up. taking I'm coming okay. up and I'm going right to the heart of the O ship 
uh, vibe. And I'm coming to you to ask for your oh ship moment of an example when your idealism or absolute focus on a grand vision kind of negatively impacted you. I'm impressed that uh, you already asked me for one example. Otherwise, we'd have to <laughs> extend uh, this episode of, uh, of Oh Ship. <laughs> so, and Phil, you know, I, I normally get to ask other people their Oh Ship moments. So I, uh, I probably should have seen this one coming in hindsight. Uh, wow, what I want to limit it down to. I think a great example of of this again. I kind of I kind of referred to this this earlier with with uh, you know my startup guide. As a, for a reminder of anyone who's never watched a ship before, as some context, so I had a company uh, in the I guess it was uh, two years right after Sapiens, so it been like twenty thirteen called Guide, and it was a company that uh, I was very passionate about the future of smart TVs and apps and, and things like that. And, um, and I, you know, I, I, we were just starting to see these app platforms emerge on smart TVs. There's a lot of talk of an Apple TV coming out that never actually really materialized. And, and I was com- completely convinced that there was going to be an app revolution there, just like there had been in on our mobile devices. And so uh, I was really looking for something that, that I thought would work in this environment that would be unique and interesting. And uh, I, I, I'm still a very passionate newsreader. And so my main go-to app on my, on my phone was always my newsreader apps. And I thought to myself, well, what if people wanted to consume the blogs and stuff that I like to read and I wanted to consume that passively on my TV? And, uh, you know, you're not going to sit and read the TV. That doesn't make much sense. That's what, that, that's not, you know, a, a mobile phone is a good one-to-one consumption device for reading, but a TV is really a one-to-many device. And so I thought, well, what if I could take text-based online news, blogs and news articles, whatever, and I could turn it into content that you could passively consume? You know, what if I could take text and literally make it video with images and video clips and audio, and if I could do it on the fly, that in itself is a pretty pretty lofty goal. Pretty big, and we, yeah. And we and we came up with this uh, this uh, crazy idea uh, at the time, crazy idea at the time where we were going to have avatars, literally three dimensionally rendered avatars, like news like newscaster heads, effectively read you the news, and they would. We were taking text news, we were shrinking it down to shorter news, and the newscaster would would read you the news and then we'd like we'd put images and video like classic, you know, BBC type stuff over to the right. Well, conceptually really cool. Uh, there's this thing out there called the, this thing called the Uncanny Valley. Uh, and the Uncanny Valley, for those who aren't, aren't familiar with it, is uh, basically a, a terrifying uh, thing that happens when you see like three dimensional, like human faces, they're artificially rendered and they, they look so fake that they literally freak you out. It's oh, like, it's like a, it's like a like a uh, subconscious like some people were freaked out by clowns and some people were totally freaked out by seeing these these uh, you know like human renderings of people. I couldn't see it, and I I'm not one of those people. I've never even heard of this thing called the Uncanny Valley, and I kind of wrote it off as like it's not a it's not a real thing. So some people not didn't just dislike Guide; they were literally horrified by Guide. <laughs> it would give them it would give them nightmares. I mean, it was like. Yeah, it was like nightmare fuel to some people. And I was so convinced. I was so, I was like, I don't need, I, and on top of that, I built the whole app without actually talking to a bunch of users because um, I was like, I, in my own optimism, I'm not going to call it arrogance. Basically, it was like, I just believe that this, you know, was everything 
I needed. So anyway, I just, I just couldn't see it. And I didn't talk to users. And I just went out there and I just launched this thing, you know, for, you know, because I thought I, we was changing the world. In fact, I was so paranoid that, that this was such a revolutionary idea and so visionary that if anyone else saw it, they would steal it from me. And, and so I ran and I ran full force in this. Oh, and on top of that, I decided that I was so committed to the idea that I needed to launch it on Android and, and, uh, you know, other platforms like web all at the same time instead of MVPing or testing it on one massive egg on my face. But it is classic because it's incredible. And this is what makes you, you and so successful to have such a huge idea, such a bold idea that it's not the idea, you know, that's ever the issue. It's just the, in this case, you know, there's, it was the how, you know, and like the way that it, that you ultimately were going to figure out how to get it launched. That was either, you know, like you just didn't do it or it just wasn't a choice that you made that greatly impacted you. Well, thank you for sharing. I'm, I'm like, I'm glad I did it. And, and uh, it's all, it's all experience worth noting, by the way, if you look now, there's all these tech out there. Um, you know, you see, you, know, you hear about people talking about deep fakes and how they're making these like insane human stuff. Like if we had had the tech of deep fakes when I had done guide, like I actually think this could do it. And we saw like some things the other day where, you know, people are, are doing actually things very similar to guide now. They're actually awesome. But the tech is there now, like you know, and they don't, and it looks they look real, and yeah. and they've gotten the voice synthesis is so much better than it used to be. We were just we were just too early, but but I think this you is were a early. Example. But would you would you now you know stop and ask for the feedback or stop and kind of check with some users? Totally. Like yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, that was a very painful experience oh. for me and my investors. Worth noting, like you know, <laughs> and it was like I had a lot of my own money in it. Other people very kindly and and believed in in the vision and and put money in it as well. And and I think you know now I, I think I, it actually made me a, a better leader. I'd like to believe because now you know, I'd never really failed in a big way before that. You know, before that, and I think it was a really humbling experience that made me a better leader. And I I seek consensus and advice from from others far more now than I probably did before. So I'm, I've been glancing at my notes while I've been talking to you. I had another question for you. I'm actually going to throw out one of my remaining questions uh, because now that you've <laughs> now that you've made me tell no ship story, I'm actually stunned that I didn't have a no ship question for you. Mm. So I, I'm going to throw out my weakest of my remaining questions and I'm trading it up and I'm not going to flip this back on you. I want you to tell me a story, an oh ship moment of where being a pragmatic leader is blown up in your face. And hopefully it's not as embarrassing as my one. It's embarrassing, <laughs> I would like it to, embarrassing, be embarrassing. to me. <laughs> it's embarrassing to me, but it's so small. It's on such a small little scale that, you know, it's going to, it's not going to, it's not going to compare to what you share. But my story is it, it was a micro moment of a project. The project was we were working on launching an e-commerce site at a company that I worked at prior. It was, you know, this was a little early in the day. So it was still a big deal to be launching the site. And of course, everybody had input, you know, um, because it's a business that covered lots of things, products, operations, sales, promotion, you know, everything, branding. And so lots of input was coming in and some conflict was starting to pop up about how, you know, what we were, what we were putting in and the process that was uh, happening to come up with the content, 
and get proper feedback from subject matter experts in the areas. And so the OSHIP moment was that in my pragmatic way of just like, let's get to the heart of this and screw, you know, hierarchy and, and uh, you know, politically, uh, you know, copying the world. Yeah. I picked up the phone uh, back because well, we used office phones at that time. And I called the pretty junior person who was involved in this content development piece and was having a conflict with someone on my team about the process. And I called this person directly. I'm like, tell me, tell me what's happening. I thought I was being like, wow, what a great leader, you know, senior leader, kind of reaching into the organization and wanting to hear, you know, from the directly from the source, you know, how things are going and feedback and, and listening for what could be better. Well, that did not go over well. You know, and from the senior leadership that that person reported into, mm-hmm. I got an earful and, you know, that I did not respect uh, hierarchy and I did not involve management appropriately. And that mm-hmm. that style of communication was, you know, certainly not desired or or considered mm-hmm. helpful. It was considered to be detrimental and problematic and, you know, such a small thing. But I remember it like it was yesterday. And. It, uh, it affected, it affected my relationship with that person, that peer, that leader from that point on. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's easy to, you know, write some of this kind of stuff off, but those kind of things, I mean, they can cause you problems for years, frankly, uh, when you, when you burn some of those, you know, burn some of those uh, relationships down. So where, you know, I think where mine was uh, like a painful entrepreneurial lesson I think your is actually a really painful lesson of like, hey, if you're trying to be successful in, in especially in these larger global, even globally matrixed organizations, this is stuff that you really got to pay attention to because it can it can impact your career, it can impact your ability to be a successful leader, and frankly, it can have a, a lasting lasting impact. Out of interest, how long do you think it took to make that that kind of sting go away, if ever? I still think of it like as if it was yesterday. And yeah. that, and my relationship with that person was never the same. Wow. Uh, then that, that is, that is a proper ship moment. I appreciate sharing <laughs> that, by the way. That was very, uh, very, very, uh, very big of you. Cool. Well, uh, what have you got for me? So, you know, we just shared some OSHIP moments. Uh, let's, let's, let's open it up to uh, a, a related topic question, which is, so what do you perceive is the biggest challenge for pragmatic leaders like me? Uh, that's a great question. I think that it, it, it is simply summarize it. I think finding the right balance between being pragmatic and being inspirational is essential. And I think, you know, and I think that's, you know, and this, you could argue this is good advice for visionary type leaders as well. I think that too much of something is not, not a good thing, you know, and, and balance is really important. And And maybe the way of thinking about it is almost like, it's not even about balance all the time. It's about using the right tool as a leader at the right time, right? So sometimes I think if you if you can be really successful, it's not about your know, pragmatism and 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 breaking down things into the you know, nuance of, of achieving it. Sometimes you just need to inspire people, and then sometimes people will get so hopped up on some idea that you need to kind of rope them rope them back in. I was literally just having a chat yesterday with a crazy inspiring leader maybe one of the most inspiring i've ever had a chance to work with and a lot of the conversation was about like hey how do we how do we focus how do we how do we rope things back in to get more things done because everyone's so inspired that they're trying to work on too many things 
and and we need to and we need to kind of prioritize now and think about what you know what what's where the focus is going to be so i think this you know this idea of it being like you know it's like it's like part of it as a good leader you know is this this is part of our toolkit right this is what you you tap right. into it and and knowing when to play the card at the right time is i think is is key you're so right because it's never one dimensional i mean i know even when we were talking about the topic for this session it's not like that's you know the only card I play yeah. or you play. We have to play them all. Um, there may be a, a bias and a, and a leaning in towards one you know particular style, but we we need them all, and and it's all about finding the right time to employ the right tool. Yeah, and I actually, I'd actually love to expand on this a bit because I think there are sometimes people you know let's say you and I are pretty versatile players and can maybe play both sides of the court, but not everyone can play both sides of the court. So I'd say the other bit of advice I would give to pragmatic leaders, or I guess even inspirational leaders is if you know that this is potentially a deficit for you, then, then you need to surround yourself with really good lieutenants. So a great example is I can think of some CTO type people that I know that have, that have maybe come up through the, the, the technical career path and then become CEOs or, or C-suite leaders who are crazy brilliant next level innovators, but actually not that good at uh, decoupling talking about the technology versus the implications of the technology, which is the inspiring part. Does that make sense? Yes. And so, so, so sometimes people need to have like, you need like a good wing person yeah. who like maybe is your, your flavor flave hype man, <laughs> you know? So if you're pragmatic, you've got like, you're like, you now you give them the give them the big rah rah speech let's get them all on there and and or maybe they help craft that story and then you could argue the the same as inverse you know again i know plenty of inspiring leaders probably probably more this way than the other way around where you know i've kind of jokingly said to them look if you just had someone run around behind you with a giant basket collecting your ideas and then turning them into something practical like you you'd be you know absolutely killing it so so i'd say you know it's it's like i guess to simply summarize my response is the balance and selecting the right tool is key and if you don't necessarily have those tools naturally in your personal tool set then how do you compensate for that basically and how do you build that even if that means professional coaching personal coaching or just building the right team around you to to succeed and i think to build on what you're saying it requires a level of self-awareness to recognize it and also be okay with recognizing it. You know, it's pretty rare that any person or any leader has, has everything, you know, all of those skill sets operating at, you know, top, at top levels and having the self-awareness to kind of recognize it is a blind spot for me, or it is, you know, mm -hmm. kind of not my, just not even what I love, you know, about thinking or anything like that. That's important as a leader, having that self-awareness. We're worth noting, we had a question come in from the audience uh, I'd like to read, and it says, being pragmatic opens the door of extreme efficiency and productivity, but sometimes people see the pragmatism as too, uh, quote-unquote, robotic. What are good ways to lead the team pragmatically, simultaneously, in, in a kind of inspired way? I think some of the stuff we just touched on addresses that, but at least is there anything you'd add to that, uh, kind of uh, responding to this specific question? I think that it's about being human. You know, I don't think that the the idea of pragmatic leadership, it's not like anybody's running around branding themselves. Like I don't run around branding myself, you know, that way. I just mm. have a bias. I, I took it off my business cards last year. <laughs> but you left idealist. You probably left idealist and visionary. <laughs> and so if if it's coming from a human place, 
that that I, that pragmatic approach can feel warm and human and inspiring and you know I'm we're we're in it together kind of thing which to me that level of warmth and connectedness mm-hmm. is inspiring and promotes sort of feeling people feeling inspired so that'd be one suggestion that's good 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 advice worth noting by the way I was kind of obviously uh, joking about the 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 putting it on your business cards but I do, one of my other pet peeves we mentioned pet peeves earlier. I really, really hate when people put stuff like a visionary or or uh, that you know, like describe their leadership style in LinkedIn. Oh, oh like, I better you know, note to self. I better you know, go or check. The, or, or, or the or the guru or things like that. I'm like, no, no, take that <laughs> off, please. Something only other people can say about you versus versus saying about yourself. Agreed. So, okay, great. Uh, so I think I'm up. I keep, I, I, I got to get work out these question episodes. I always, I always lose uh, my place. Okay. So uh, looking at my notes here, we've got one. Okay. Uh, so on a show, uh, we often talk about the importance of kind of showing you care as a critical leadership trait. Do you think pragmatic leaders approach this trait differently than idealistic or visionary leaders? I mean, of course, we can never generalize, you know, and then no one is one dimensional and only one thing as we were talking about before. If we were to generalize, you know, we might say that the idealistic and visionary leaders are so focused on getting their their idea, their big idea, you know, understood and pushed through (laughs) that they're not listening for. They're not reading the room. They're not, you know, they're Mm -hmm. not seeing the need to connect the people around them who they need to, you know, execute this wonderful idea and vision and may not come off as being, you know, empathetic or caring. Mm -hmm. So again, can't generalize, but that's, you know, that's a, that's a risk that may impact their, you know, their ability of coming off as sounding empathetic. What do you think? Mm. I think it's it's funny. um, it actually is very much in line with that talking about that robotic robotic essence that that uh, that, uh, that that was recently put up by by one of the audience members. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's um, yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a tricky tricky balance to pull off. But you know, I I think at their core, any great leader is going to demonstrate um, heart. So I would just sort of follow up to say, in this time you know, especially mm-hmm. coming out of COVID and just what, you know, if, if, if we believe, and I think we do, that many, many people have gone through, you know, difficult and sort of traumatizing time, mm-hmm. just playing, you know, amping up, turning up the empathy skill set in the, you know, in the toolkit of a leader is more important than ever. And, you know, em- employees have many choices, as we we're all reading mm-hmm. about, you know, the great resignation and, have gone through some crazy stuff and it's just it's just a must like it's absolutely a requirement even if it probably always has been it's more than ever it's a requirement to to show some empathy good advice uh so i think we're we're down to our final two questions um great doing great we're right right kind of on time for this uh this week's episode so what's your what's your last and final question for me i'm going selfish and i'm thinking about me 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 so I am, and you've known me a long time. So in, with, in front of all your viewers, I'm going to ask you, uh, what advice would you give a pragmatic leader like me to be more successful? I'm not done growing and I'm not done, you know, uh, demonstrating what, what I can do. So what advice do you have? Uh, that's a good one. I, I, so again, I, you know, I get, a, I've, I think I've witnessed you uh, as leader full time uh, firsthand. I've seen how you interact with people. So I think I, re- I really have 
only positive things to say there. I think that as a broad, a broader answer, and this is something I've been uh, sharing with with other leaders lately, is you mentioned it earlier a second ago with the, with the kind of great great resignation or uh, whatever nickname um, you want to give for it right now. This is a, a really profound time that we live in. Um, you know, the, obviously we all experience this this you know, crazy global event over the last uh, couple of years together, and it had a dramatic impact on on a lot of us in, in many different ways. Certainly and absolutely and unquestionably changed the way that we work, and I think it caused a lot of the team members that we have to. Uh, you know, reevaluate. Uh, you know what was important to them. Certainly, reevaluate the careers that they had, and reevaluate some of their priorities. And I think, as a pragmatic leader, when you're thinking about, you know, if, you, if, if part of that objective as a pragmatic leader is saying, right, how do I, how do I set these kind of clear goals, and how do I achieve them? I think that they're easy to look at the building blocks of saying, here's a plan and how I need to to get there. And I, I would say that there is a unseen part that now everyone should be thinking about, and that is the, the risk of disruption to how you achieve those goals because people are not paying enough attention to the health and well-being of their team members. You know, if, if people are not uh, on the team, if they don't feel like you're prioritizing them, if they don't feel that you and the company you know, mean them well and that you intend for them to succeed and that, you know, their success is your success. I think we're in a time right now where people are, are doing these kind of evaluations of their employers and, the, you know, and their bosses and they're going, you know, I'm out. Like I'm out, like I've saved up a bunch of money. I think part of the reason it's when people are doing this, people are saying it's because of, you know, all the government aid. But I also think for a lot of people, you know, they didn't spend a lot of money during the pandemic because they weren't out and about in restaurants and bars. Certainly that's where I saved a ton of my money. And, and uh, you know, so people have these extra cash reserves. They're going, you know what, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm over, I'm over it. And I'm, I'm going to go find something better. And I think that, you know, this is very much in the spirit of like saying, you know, you having that hard and caring and, and, and empathy, which we addressed on earlier. But I think the pragmatic part is saying, look, I need to have those things too, but recognizing that plans will be seriously disrupted if this is not prioritized in a pragmatic and, and serious way. And I think that is sound, sound advice uh, for you and anyone like you. Um, thank you for sharing. Mm-hmm. And I would probably build on that just to say, um, you're so right. That feels That feels kind of very uh, close to home and something that that I need to probably think about even more in my day to day. And I would mm-hmm. add that further complicated by the business that we're that I'm in, you know, the being in the cruise industry, coming out of the COVID time period where, you know, some days you're sailing and some days you're not because, you know, you the ship shut down because there was, you know, COVID cases. It's just uh it's an unbelievably volatile time in this industry. And it's 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 further complicated already people working hard and you know we have to we have to really think about their their well-being <laughs> yeah and, you know we didn't really hammer on that earlier i don't think it needs to be said at this point but uh you know uh, you want to talk about a couple of years of just non-stop oh ship moments like trying oh. to imagine being in the cruise industry is just crazy uh, it's sort of how we live <laughs> yeah so this is this is i'm going to do something that's so lame i can't believe how much time i spent uh Put, thinking about these questions, and I don't, and I've never done this before, um, but I'm going to throw out 
another one of my questions. I should have just taken all your questions and like written them down. And as soon as you finish them, just be like, how do I flip this in reverse and just ask you the same question back? But I, I love this. I love that you put me on the spot. So now I'm going to hopefully not regret by asking you what, what, what advice, knowing, uh, you know, knowing how you know me and the way that you know me, and, and I think I'm sure worked with other leaders like me, what bit of a professional advice would you give me to be a, a more successful leader as a, I guess what you've classed as a, a visionary or idealistic style leader? Well, first we must stop and say, you are a successful guy. And, you know, you probably don't need much advice from, from me. I need lots of advice, actually. <laughs> I'll take all the advice I can get, please. Um, the funny thing, I guess, is, of course, probably listen to your, listen. my advice would be listen to your own advice. So when you were sharing and so, you know, honestly uh, and vulnerably kind of sharing your story of God and, mm. and it was, you know, it was, it was like on the one level, it was an idea that was ahead of its time and, and all that and the scary avatars and, and all that. That was, you know, plenty of ship in and of itself. But the heart of it from a leadership standpoint was you didn't really stop and ask anybody for any feedback, your people, your users. I mean, why? It was clearly a perfect idea, Lisa. Jeez. <laughs> I loved it, and I clearly <laughs> represent everyone on Earth. So if I love it, like obviously everyone's gonna. Of course. Love it. I mean, geez. So, um, so you you have you said that you know you definitely you definitely incorporated that you've got to stop and get the feedback, and you need to. And I, you know, you're such an open guy. I'm sure you have surrounded yourself with people that can be honest and open with you. Not not everybody is and willing to like surround themselves with people that are going to tell it to them like it is and give them the honest feedback. I beg, I beg people to be honest with me because it's, it's, I think sometimes people say like, look, I get, they say, look, I get, you're so in, in, energetic and infectious, you know, Freddie, that like, we get called up in the moment. I was like, I'm begging you to call BS on me because if you don't, I'm going to go out and do this, say this publicly and someone else is going to call BS on me in a very public way. So if you're really here to, you know, help me, then like, I need you to, I need you to call me out. And I like, I, I, I thrive on it now. And that's um, it. I mean, that's what and now called. I do it publicly. And I guess people to call me out on live. Stepping it up every day here at Ocean. So, yeah, that, that would be my advice, which you've already recognized. So listen to your own advice. Well, and I think that's, that's, well. that's great advice. Thank, thanks, Lisa. Uh, I think that is a very uh, fun uh, place to end the, uh, today's episode. I, I really, really enjoyed today. Uh, I want to do actually more more episodes like this. I think these are just these are super fun. I like the structure. I hope our audience is enjoying it because I think it's a a nice way to uh, consume information and relevant guidance and, and stuff, but also have a really fun conversation. I appreciate you taking the time to think of all those questions in advance. I know you really put some effort into it, so much effort that I stole two of them. So thank you for that. It's <laughs> perfect. And you know, I guess, uh, Lisa, what's the best way if people want to learn more about you or, or I guess follow you on social? Any any any, any guidance for, for our audience? Sure, sure. Um, I'm on LinkedIn, you know, under my name, Lisa Kaufman, part of Starboard Great. Cruise Services. And that's that's probably the best place to find me on social. Okay, awesome. So great. Uh, again, thank you again. Thank you for everyone uh, that uh, tuned in today, uh, whether you're tuning in uh, uh, on any of our pre-recorded shows, uh, whether that's on YouTube, LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook, you know, or you're listening to our audio podcasts across any of the major podcasting platforms. We thank you for tuning in. The best way you can support the show is by 
giving us a like, following if you're subscribing, if you haven't done already, or sharing this on some of your social feeds. Uh, again, thank you for watching. And uh, Lisa, thank you again for, for coming. Thank and you. Uh, we'll see all of you next week on O'Ship. The O-Ship Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising the sales for the O-Ship Show.